hour of your life the bitcoin <laughs> podcast episode 339 Ooh, i think you're right i think that's right that sounds right that sounds right <laughs> um the host wait before i even say who i am for those of you that do watch the video representation of what we do look at this man's hair jesus christ bro jesse let's take over Dude, cube i need a haircut Chill, no, chill. no, no. Man. you gotta let those locks flow. Flow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro! That's just like, so uh, glow. He doesn't get. I, you don't get that reference. I'm, I guarantee. You, I bro. don't. I don't. Oh I'm not. God. I'm not. I, I don't you listen to that. Young whippersnapper. <laughs> I feel like when I look at that hair, I feel like a Treyu in. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, good one. The never-ending story. I feel like I'm gonna save the universe. The never-ending story. La, da, da. Okay, um, yo, <laughs> this is the Bitcoin Podcast. Welcome to the shit. Uh, I'm the host that talks first, D. I am Dr. Corey Petty, the second host. And I am Jesse, the man with the keyboards. And the hair. Yeah. <laughs> so... Happy Valentine's Day to all you motherfuckers out there. I hope that you are with your loved ones. I hope that and uh, and you know you're you're getting all sensual and shit. You know, giving them the chocolates, giving them the. What are you guys doing for Valentine? Nothing. <laughs> oh, you're super married with a new kid. I you bought do something. so like there. I do love Valentine's Day, but it has nothing to do with my relationship with my wife. It's because I really like my favorite candy is those candy hearts. Like the conversation oh. hearts. That's my favorite candy in the world. Oh my god! And I, don't don't ask me why I like eating colored chalk. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> um, but they weren't there last year, and this year they're back. And oh my god, I'm so happy! I've eaten. I've already eaten like twenty boxes of them. Holy yeah. sh- Corey's wife lets him do butt stuff on Valentine's weekend. Mm. <laughs> not my not my bag. <laughs> not my bag. Sorry, Jesse. It looked like it caught you off guard. It did. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I had a couple things that I wanted to run through that you were not privy to, D, because you joined a little late. I want to talk about... Why are you going to put the, on Business Street? Nobody would have even known that. Everybody knows that. 
Everybody knows that all the time. We we want them to know that they need we to, to hold know. you accountable at a, to a higher standard with your with yeah, your like variable it. recording situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. it gets intense. <laughs> that was a baby yeah so i, I want to talk about at denver i did a privacy panel on at denver and they gave they gave like a bunch of our patrons pizzas and us i thought that was pretty cool to talk about that and then um talk about me uh me taking a chunk out of crypto yeah nice bro so what do you mean you took a chunk out of crypto you made crypto your bitch this week huh I'm just exercising Huddle Plus. Hey, man. Congratulations. It's one of those situations where we see Lindsay Lohan tweeting about Bitcoin, and I'm like, well, (laughs) things are, uh, it's about that time. I'm going to go ahead and, like, and that's like my portfolio has gotten a little imbalanced, if you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's like how much crypto I have is not at the appropriate percentage of my total, like, portfolio the way i like it in terms of where my money lies in my life yes and it's yes. time to rebalance and i don't and i think that based on how the market is moving why people are getting into bitcoin the auntie mm-hmm. index which is like through the roof high which index the auntie the index, index? D, oh yeah, why don't you yeah explain yeah. the auntie index yeah no, no 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 i know i know the auntie index oh but for people who don't know yeah so the 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 auntie index for those of you that um don't listen to our show as frequently as you should uh shame on you but the auntie index is index is when you start getting hit up by your auntie about when they should be buying doge and that's when you know it's right about the time you need to take some profits yeah it can't hurt right because like we know like when people you know who who have no clue what's going on start listening to celebrities about buying crypto that you know is garbage. Someone's going to get hurt, time. which is like it's about that time. It, the type of things that you worry about. And it's about the time where like I can make a significant impact on my life. And HODL plus is like, if you have the means to make significant impact on your life and it seems as though like the waters are a little frothy, you should do it. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Here's the thing, though, Corey. Is you sharpening a pencil? What are you doing? Uh, no, I found some valent- un- unattended Valentine's Day candy. I was gonna eat some of it, but there's, <laughs> there's um, the thing about that, Corey, is that this bull market is uniquely different. I would say, okay, hold up, wait. Hashtag this is not investment advice. I'm not selling Hashtag. my whole bags. That's not oh, even close to what I'm saying. I know. I know. Okay, I'm just ahead. saying there's some people here who might misinterpret, like this guy right here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so what I what I would say is that is that uh, this, even though the price has gone up astronomically, in fact, it's doubled since the last high. That's cute. That's just cute shit for crypto. Like that's just mega cute. If you get the amount of supply that's out there. And the liquidity squeeze that's going on right now. I mean, if you look at, I know, what do they say? Hashtag historical behavior is not indicative of future price, whatever. But I mean, sure, if the risk is appropriate for yourself, it's a good, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good bet. If you're, if you're like, if you're comfortable with high risk, high risk investments. 
getting a mortgage out and buying Bitcoin, you may you may do some damage to yourself. Like Money. Or, or like selling your rent money. You may do some serious damage to yourself, especially if the price drops to a point. Because right, how many times have you known people who bought at the top and then the price dropped because and they don't know what they're doing and, they, and, they're, and, and they sold it only for the price to go back up because they just got scared. And I know a lot of people who've lost money because they don't know what's going on and they bought in at a wrong time and the price dropped because of all, all the like people who are playing that game with a lot more money than them. And it's it's like it, it's not what I want to be a part of, but I'm gonna be, I'm here for the long haul, like the real real long haul. And so I'm gonna try and set my life up in a way that allows me to be in that long haul, regardless of what the price is doing. That's hodl plus for me. Like that's set myself up yep. to a point where I can be here forever, and not really worry about this weird market fluctuation stuff that happens. And but I will I will agree with you though, like. This bull run is different than the previous in that there's a lot more utility. It's a lot more reason yeah. behind people using this stuff. That's why this bull run gets my pants so tight is that like, oh, like there's utilities now and people can't say that there's not. And there's weird things happening too, like futures gas markets like that's new. I love it, but it's new. So, I mean, things just feel a little bit different. And then we've got BNY Mellon, the largest bank in like the U.S. obviously a member of the old Fed reserves. Those motherfuckers, they're like, yeah, we'll totally be the custodian of your Bitcoin. Totally, you can totally let us handle your Bitcoin. You can put your Bitcoin here. You can sell it. Hmm. You can buy. You can hold it. You Just waiting it. for the first big bank to be like, oh, we didn't really know how to handle Bitcoin and we lost it all. Sorry. Like, like I don't think they're gonna do that, bro. They're they're guaranteed. not blockbuster. I'll put money on it right now. Would you like to put money on that? That a big bank mishandles Bitcoin and loses it for their custodian for their for their users. I would like to put fifteen percent of your status stash on that. That's certainly not a bet I'm willing to make right now. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm not making that bet. I'm not putting. I'm not betting anything on that. Twelve and a half percent. Okay, we're done here. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about like twenty bucks, but like. <laughs> okay uh, you got yourself a fucking deal 20 bucks put it, put it we have we have witnesses 20 bucks on the day of 606 i don't carry cash yeah what kind of new carries fucking cash my mom tried to give me a bunch of coins that tom left on his desk when he stayed with me and i was like what are these coins throw them away i'm not gonna use these alicia what happened in the last two weeks with those i saw the message but i didn't see all of it because i'm on my phone She just said, "Look at Dogecoin. The past two weeks is a big indicator of the fraudiness." You know, people of the like it's like celebrities like Elon Musk talking about Dogecoin, and, and a bunch of people talking about the Jack. Uh, I think Snoop Dogg. Yeah, Snoop Doge is what he called himself. It's so dumb. Dogecoin went to number seven, maybe even a little higher than that. Like, oh, that's yeah, that's not good. Here's something I'd like to say. To Most people, people are going to get wrecked. Hashtag yeah. not investment advice. Hashtag it is what it is. Doubling your money in crypto is not that big of a deal. I just want to let you know that right now. I know that it's a really big deal in traditional investment and a really big deal in like lots of investment avenues. And it's obviously really awesome if you start with $4 and end up with 8 in a scenario that's juicy. 
but this old dough shit where it went from four pennies to eight pennies is like that's just no 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 no. it went from 0.002 pennies to 0.08 pennies d that's a big difference then (laughs) i don't think you realize like even look at look at the bag that you you told me thanks for for i used to have millions of doge like i i literally i I have mined millions of doge in the past i sold them all a long time ago things are really frothy d like like multipliers frothy not just double your money that's that's what i'm saying and and here's the thing here's the thing if people buy in at this top d if if their volatility is like what 40 60 80 percent swings like you're gonna have weak hands if you buy this top if you're a noob you know for doge for doge so for for most gotta think about those people for most there isn't a thing that's like if you buy it's gonna stay the same unless it's a stable coin which no one's gonna buy because celebrities aren't talking about die and USDC. But see, that's the kind of the beauty of this bull market. And we don't talk price a lot, but fuck it, why not? The beauty of this bull market is that the depth of educated crypto people, I think, is a lot deeper than it was back in 2017. And the breadth as well. I think there's more. Remember, we used to say, like, oh, we had these big bull markets and only 1% of the people stay for the tech or stay for the whatever. I think that's changed. I think a lot more than 1% in 2017 stayed for the tech and stayed for the stuff. So they're not going to take their I money don't. I don't. and sell it in dollars. They're going to put it into these little DeFi things to get this interest. Because let me tell you, let me, let me tell you something. I put on my uh, my Bernie Mac voice. Not Bernie Mac. Uh, Cedric, Cedric the Inter- Yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. I will never put my one US dollar in a bank account that's going to net me 0.1% interest before I put it in USDC and get 37% AP, APY. Ever. Never, I don't ever. think it's giving you 37%. No, it doesn't give would you that you like high. To, would you like to look at the numbers? Because that's what I'm cranking right now. No, it's, it's, it's how they're using your USDC. It's how you've invested in USDC. There's risk involved, D. You're I not getting that dollar. 37% for free. Yeah, it's I'm not risk-free. At. Yeah. What's the risk? How it's, the fact how that it's you don't invested. know that is a problem. Yeah, exactly. Is it? What is the what is the risk? How are you doing it? Are you using Coinbase? I use Coinbase wallet and I got my wallet. I got some wrapped ETH and I got some USDC and it's sitting there marinating, giving me thirty seven percent APY. USDC got dropped to point two percent APR on Coinbase. Well, that's juicy, but I'm doing it through Uniswap. It's like a pool. I'm providing liquidity here. Then you're not using Coinbase. Yeah. Coinbase wallet. Coinbase wallet. I'll, we'll look into these things and figure out what you're doing. I don't know what, yeah, you're, I don't doing. Know what you're doing. Well, I, I, I understand it I here. Yeah. This is what I did. All right. I took a little bit of orange juice. I took a little bit of lemon juice. Put it, no, I'm kidding. Look, this is what I did. I took some USDC. I took some wrapped ETH. Made it into a PB&J. And now people are using it like a liquidity. I added some liquidity to that pair, the USDC, and uh, what did I say? Wrapped pair. Okay. And now, because that is a popular pool that has a lot of volume going through it, I get make I make point three percent every single time. Oh, point three percent. That's different than thirty seven percent. Yes, but the APY on a yearly return means uh. that. The, that I'm getting, that I'm going to get 37% return on my money in a year. And that is exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. So the USDC to WETH pair 
on Uniswap is netting you 37% APR right now. Let me tell yeah. you something else. And it's been um, doing that for the past eight weeks, and I'm making uh, it feels great. I feel like I'm. I feel let like me I'm explain stealing. something that adds nuance to this. Do it. Um, is Drops that sauce on it. when you would like to take it. that when you want to stop that liquidity, and then actualize mm-hmm. those gains, or like realize those gains, and it's something that you're going to use somewhere. It means you need to stop. You need to pull your liquidity out of that pool if you're using Uniswap. And then you need to transfer it into whatever tokens that you want, probably using Uniswap. And you need to then transfer them to an exchange, probably Coinbase. And then you're going to need to sell them. The fees associated with that are probably going to be a significant chunk, if not more, if not more than what you've made entirely. No, they're not. I've already done the math. I'm making a lot of money and it's fucking dope. How much money do you think it takes to even just pull liquidity out? What's the average guay right now? Was it a hundred bucks? No, like let's see. Uh, gas now. I'll check it out in a second. One. I just need one transaction. I need to get my ETH back and get my USDC back. So sorry, two transactions. I just told you how many transactions you need. I'm not gonna go into dollars. It's two twenty right now. For per transaction? Two twenty quite is what is what a fast transaction oh, is. Oh, okay. Right now. So how what is that in dollars? So a transaction for pulling liquidity out is interacting with those contracts. That's probably going to cost you close to a uh, hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. That's what I had in my napkin math, and I'm still making motherfucking stacks, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I put very little stacks in this shit, and it's giving me a lot of juice. I'm liking the fucking juice. It's better than drinking pineapple juice. So there's a lot of people like me that are tier one GPPs. But the, here, here's the thing. That, that, here's the thing that people need to understand who get excited about the things that you're saying right now is that if they're investing or doing or they're, they're doing these things with smaller amounts of money, they're going to pay enough fees that are exorbitantly higher than what they're going to be putting in. So like, oh, cool, yeah, I made, so, I made yeah. 120% on this money, but it's, I can't move it because it costs too much to do it. Yeah. And so that's, that's, well, if you make 120% on something, you'd still make a little bit of profit. It wouldn't be as much as you like. No, because that fee that, that I just mentioned, it is regardless of how much money you put in. That's how much it just costs to do the action. It has nothing to do with how much money you made. And, so and, 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 and what people don't understand is that what I the, the, the gas price that I just quoted is for right now. It gets up to 500. It's got up to over 1,000 guay. Where like that transaction for pulling liquidity out, which I'm not exactly sure how much it's going to cost, would be over $1,000. Just yeah, to pull it out. All I'm, all I'm doing, all I'm, all, all I'm saying, Corey, is that there's a lot of tier one GPPs like me, and a lot of them more wealthy than I. And they're not going to take half a million USD when they can take half a million USDC, put it into fucking a pool, and that half a million USDC turns into 630,000 USDC the next year. I agree that there's a lot of opportunity to park your money in places to make it work way more efficiently than you can in a traditional market. What I am, there you what go. I am, what I think is important is that we make people understand what levels of money where that's worthwhile. Yeah, like uh, at least five digits, maybe more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good rule of thumb. You Tens of thousands digits. of dollars need to be dumped in order to make a decent amount of return. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And it needs to be parked for a decent chunk of time, right? Two years. That's not that long. Two, three years. That's a decent amount of money for people in two years. That's, just that's assuming it. that's assuming it's like 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 right now, D, just imagine the people who buy right now and put yeah. like say ten thousand dollars into USDC and then park their liquidity in that that pair on Uniswap. What's to say that the market doesn't go down in a year? Say they, they're gonna cash out in two years. You just they're gonna take your advice. They have less potentially, right? Wait a second. Hashtag don't take my advice. Go on, Jesse. I'm just saying, like it's it may not work out, like in terms of that two year time frame, how you think it will. Especially now when the markets are frothy. Yeah, fair enough. If you get in while we're in like bear market, but bull markets don't last two years, man. Bull, bull <laughs> markets are different. Bull markets last, man. They don't. It's not flash in the pan shit. 2017 seemed like a flash in the pan, but that was like a 12 month buildup to when it was like, oh shit. And it was getting like it. The price. We also went through like a three year drought. (laughs) Yep. And, and we've been building up for the past four or five months. D it's just, I don't want started in like August of last year to get super excited and lose money. They need to understand what's going on because it's worth being excited about. But you need important information to make good decisions. And by telling people, like, you could make all the money in the world, it's going to fuck people. And we don't want to do yeah. that. They might get stuck yeah. for, like, four years, D. I don't want to fuck you guys. I want to make love to you. Maybe you. I could. Fuck what? you. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, it's already been 22 minutes. I want to talk about... Um, the the uh, F Denver panel that I did. Do you want to do it after the after the DeFi interview? Let's sure. do that. So, so for those of you that don't know, we interviewed a celebrity this week. His name is JT. His name is uh, Justin Timberlake. No I'm kidding. His name is John Thomas Tompkins. I always do. I've been doing that since. You've been doing that since he was been in the. Since you joined the Slack in the early days, you've been calling him John I'm, Thomas. I'm so sorry, John. I'm so sorry, Jay. Anyways. Man is product lead at Badger. If you don't know what Badger is, um, you obviously probably haven't been in crypto for very long or you're scared of decentralized finance like a lot of people are. Quite frankly, I'm a little bit scared too, but I'm the kind of person that, you know, I'm a jump. I'm a fucking jump. So anyways, that's what I did. But here's J- here's JT, product lead. He's got his, got his show. For Badger, Badger's doing big things in the DeFi world. Uh, here he is. Yo, yo, hey everyone. Uh, you know, you know what time it is. It's it's time for an interview at the Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, I've been looking forward to this interview for I don't know. Alicia was like a month and a half. When did we say that? When did we say it was a long time ago? But it's been back and forth. It's been like, hey, we should get JT on, and they were like, yeah, we should do that. We should schedule that. Yeah. And it just kind of kept happening over and over again. So you know, we got a big one for you. So without further ado, JT Justin Timberlake himself. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we've got Jonathan T on the show, the Badger product lead, at Badger. a product lead, a product lead. I like to say the, but Corey's particular about his articles. So we will say a product lead at Badger. Uh, if you haven't heard of Badger, you're living under a rock 
or you are a GPP. Um, well, a tier three GPP and not a tier one GPP like myself. Uh, we'll explain the tiers later. That's a new thing. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, Jonathan, why don't you like introduce anybody who doesn't know who you are that listens to our show? Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on, guys. Uh, so, yeah, John T., um, John Tompkins, mostly well known for, I guess, Badger now, but that's really very recent. Uh, been in crypto for a while. Uh, been in the Bitcoin podcast community since, I guess, probably, I don't know, 2017-ish. Yeah. yeah. It was 2017. <laughs> I can look it up. Y'all go ahead and talk. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, it was, 20, it was 2017. So I remember like, you know, people talking about selling in like late 2017, mm -hmm. early 2018, and me not doing it. Uh, and then being being not very happy about that. You did <laughs> later not follow on. our advice on HODL Plus, but I was like, not, I'm getting yeah, out, not, boys and girls. <laughs> yeah. Well, there wasn't a catchy name back then, you know. Yeah, we, you're we, right. If you had the HODL Plus, it would have gone along. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so basically been in, I quit my normal, uh, normal traditional fintech job in 2018 and been basically full-time. DeFi, just doing different things um, since then, and uh, looks like this Badger thing kind of stuck. So uh, you were that's... doing. Uh, you're, it seems as though for a while you're trying to do insurance related things. Yep. Uh, for DeFi, trying to provide you know some modicum of insurance for all this liquidity being locked up, people doing things. How? What was the switch? Before we get into like what Badger is, because it's something that I think everyone wants to know because I keep hearing it on other people's lips in terms of referencing it and it blowing up and things like that. But before you got into that, like what, what were you doing and why'd you, why'd you move to it? Yeah. So I guess the, my crypto journey a little bit, I mean, I really got into it because of uh, podcasts, had a long commute, got into podcasts uh, and what triggered it for me was really the, you know, I, like everyone found about Bitcoin first, you know, kind of went down the rabbit hole there. But like what clicked for me was like, oh, you can like do stuff. A lot of people distributed around the world can like agree on the state of a thing and like, you know, collaborate to do things that no one else can like modify. And coming from like traditional fintech, I spent most of my time working with hedge funds. I was like, well, there's, you know, looks like there'd be a need for that in finance because it's just this kludgy whole mechanism in the tra traditional world. So that's what kind of drew me to it. Uh, and then basically just got really sucked into crypto, but there wasn't much to do back in like what, 2017, 2018. Like if you're like, I'm a, I'm a product guy, like that's all I ever did. Mm -hmm. I did, uh, I was in support deployments, I did QA um, at the company, I eventually like started and ran the, um, the custom development team. But I was just, you know, I was doing the scoping for things. I'm not a developer. So like if you weren't a developer and you didn't want to like start a chain, your own chain or like run a scam ICO, um, it was very hard to be anything but a developer um, and actually get into the space. So tried to get in, into getting a job in crypto in like 2017, 18. Uh, and, you know, just wasn't much hiring. And then I guess it was for, for that kind of role. And then I guess it was 2018. Yeah, summer 2018 um, moved and, uh, you know, basically just couldn't really focus on things not crypto anymore so quit my job and then just focused on crypto full-time as you mentioned i was working on a project for a while focused on trying to do um kind of risk transfer stuff so uh, easiest thing is just like smart contract insurance um 
build a couple iterations of things um, over a long period uh, of time. I guess I was working with them for like two years almost, and we did get some stuff launched, um, but they're kind of, you know, the space evolved like massively in DeFi, especially and just stuff built on Ethereum over that time frame from 2018, mid 2018 to mid 2020. And me and I guess the other founder just kind of had different opinions on like how to do things and our, our working together wasn't particularly productive anymore. So, you know, everything's still in good standing. The project is still active. Um, it just kind of happened that, um, I was just kind of just naturally phased out over time, like mutually, right? And it's like a mutual agreement to take a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it just happened around the time that, uh, and I also work on another project. I'm still working called Zero Confirmation. Um, it's more of a passion project uh, for doing zero confirmation uh, Bitcoin trades on Ethereum. Uh, it's live on mainnet, but me and a couple guys started that up. But uh, really just got into you know, heard about Badger through the REN community, um, the REN protocol community, which is what Zero Confirmation is built on. Uh, said it was a good project. They actually put just put out a post. It was like, hey, we're looking for people to contribute pre-launch um, to the community and, you know, either do development or contribute any way you can. So me and a couple other guys I know from the REN community just kind of like hopped in and started doing stuff, just whether it was um, helping support the, you know, new people coming in, answering questions, or, um, I just, you know, struck up some conversations with the founder on, you know, some of their things. We had discussions about how to kind of add some protections in the vaults to make them resistant to like flash loan attacks, had some ideas about like the tokenomics for what to do with Badger, yada, yada, yada. It just kept contributing. Um, and then when it launched, we all got like a chunk of tokens and we're like, well, that was cool. Let's <laughs> try to make these worth something. So it kept contributing and then, um, yeah, now, <laughs> now, <laughs> now we're here. So that was literally Badger launched on, uh, December 3rd. So, uh, we're a little over two months in, which is kind of, kind of nuts. That's how it's supposed to work though. That's like how incentives are supposed to work. Here's a pile of tokens. If you love us, you know, you're gonna, if you want these to be gonna, worth anything, yeah. keep working. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. want something, you better work for it. So that's, that's an awesome story. I know, I know one thing. I don't know, audience, if you're listening, if you ever like had conversations with someone and then they're, as they're talking, you're like, damn, what does this motherfucker do? That is every single time I've ever had a conversation with you, JT. And it always is like, what do you do? So anyway, I guess that's a long-winded compliment to say that you know your shit. Appreciate it. But um, I, I need to understand DeFi because I was saying, I was talking to Corey a little bit before the show and you too, like, I, I get it. Like it's all in the name decentralized finance and I play with it. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've done a little bit and now I'm bragging to my friends like, look, I did. I did a thing and now I'm getting money <laughs> and it just works. And they're like, but how? And I'm like, you're asking too many questions. Just look at the number. Just look at the numbers on the screen. Just look at it. And so yeah. you said something shortly before we recorded. You said, um, this is what I thought crypto was. It seems like no one kind of that thinks that but this is what i thought it was supposed to do and you know surprise surprise you're building exactly what you thought it was so how did you make it how was it so simple in your head to the point where now you've actually pulled something out of your head and you've created you've executed it so what is DeFi to you uh yeah i would say probably what really pushed that was just my experience working with hedge funds like that was my 
job for 10 years. I was at a startup, very fast growing. And I was, you know, the first couple of years of it and through like 2006 through 2009 or, or more, I was actually, I guess through 2010, probably the first four years, I was like either part of a support team or running a support team in New York city. And we spent a lot of our time on site and our system did like trading compliance, um, allocation management, yada, yada, yada. But the, you know, hedge funds trade all kinds of like weird exotic products. So what I was always kind of interested in is just like how these things work, how they track like exposure. What does that really mean? Um, turns out a lot of it's like bullshit, um, <laughs> for like how they're doing like risk management and like stuff like that, because a lot of times they didn't even fully understand like how the instruments in the back end really worked because we'd be like working on reports <laughs> for them. Like, okay, do these numbers look right? And it's like, I don't know. Um, yeah, sounds good. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm it's like, well, I have this PDF that explains that this, how this instrument works or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, like I can calculate this this way. And you know, when I came across crypto, I was like, all right, well, you can abstract all this like operational crap by just having it in the code for like how financial instruments are supposed to work. Uh, and you know, where that gets with DeFi, it's just continuing to build on like pr financial primitives. So it's people just testing stuff out and trying things out until like something sticks and then it becomes a primitive. So you have like Uniswap, that's like a trading primitive and there, you know, things were tried before for, you know, decentralized trading. And now there've been, you know, dozens or hundreds of different iterations on Uniswap. You've got SushiSwap, which is like the exact same thing, but they're going to change some stuff. And, you know, it's more community driven for like how, um, how it's managed. But then you have, you know, Dodo's doing a completely different thing. You've got, um, you know, any, any other decentralized exchanges and you have like lending protocols, which is another, became another primitive. So you've got Compound, you've got Aave. And not only do those just become, these permissionless little cogs or those, you know, the money Legos, you can just kind of plug together to make new things. It's, um, you can fork it and you can, oh, I'm going to fork, you know, compound and I'm going to fork Uniswap and I'm going to tie them together either with logic or with a token to then incentivize some behavior and then see what happens. So like, I think we're very much still in like the experiment experimentation phase. And that's why a lot of this stuff is just like, feels like games. It's like, what's the point, right? Like, oh, I got like 5 million percent APY for like 20 minutes and then it goes down. Like, what's what's the point? Um, it's, you know, it's getting reps on like testing out different things and like seeing what sticks and okay, it's stuck. It's shown that it's been kind of useful in some capacity. People are finding it useful and then it just doesn't get hacked for a while. You get some, you know, confidence in it. And now that, yeah, really partially hacked. Um, flash hacked, um, you know, hacked and refunded, uh, things like that. And you can then start to piece them together to make, you know, new things. And it, I think it will just keep iterating until it's like ready for, you know, more institutional, um, mm -hmm. or real world connection. But, you know, f when you're on the ground, it just, it just looks like games really. Mm. So before we get into like, I have some trending questions that I want to try to ask your mm -hmm. opinion on, but before that, like. What the hell is Badger? Like, what does it do? What are you doing with the token? And like, why? Why is why has the price of it skyrocketed over the past month or two? Uh, yeah, good questions. I'll uh, don't have answers to all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Badger, it was really and like 
yeah, I said it before, like I started out as just like a community member, um, but now like I'm more just ingrained in it. And I guess if you were to give me a title, it'd be like product lead. And I do a lot of the stuff with like, I'm modeling the dig airdrop to like, how can we do this like fairly in a way that's good for the community based on the kind of what the community wants. Um, but yeah, Badger uh, was, like I said, it was launched in December. It was started, I guess, a few months before that um, with really the stated purpose is just being like the one-stop shop for using Bitcoin in DeFi. And out of the gate, it was really just forking Yearn vaults, um, which if you're unfamiliar, it's like Yearn just has these, you can deposit some asset, it can be like Bitcoin or whatever. Usually it's, you have to take an asset, deposit into the curve, take that asset, then put it in Yearn or whatever. Um, and then it performs these harvesting uh, yield generating strategies where it'll um, you know, Curve is currently issuing their token for anyone that has assets deposited in Curve. So it takes that earned Curve for the whole vault and sells it to generate more yield for that vault. Um, so your, uh, Badger started with like, okay, we're just going to fork that strategy. Um, we're going to make it like a one-stop shop for DeFi. And then they did a few other interesting things like that. And what's interesting about it is like the, the tech isn't, it's like, oh, we came up with this new strategy that's like, it's the best APY. But they took a new tact with it where let's start to, you know, what, what is easy to do is then take these different pieces and all these token, all these projects are giving out tokens for their token distributions or to incentivize um, deposits. And you can deposit there as like a large sum, like these vaults that everyone deposits to. You can move it over to this other protocol and you can take the token and sell it for whatever asset you want and like juice the yield. But what they started doing is like, well, let's look how to not be like extractive. Let's see how it can be like productive and then either just distribute that asset to the holders or like reinvest it into the initial protocol itself. So I think that, and that was something that, you know, I thought was a pretty cool idea when I started getting involved as well Is like, it's trying to work with all these things instead of like, Hey, let's just maximize for yield, you know, other protocols be damned. Um, so that's what it started as. And the actually the initial idea was this whole was dig, which is this rebasing Bitcoin, which I don't know. Have you guys covered rebasing on the show? I we, do. we don't do a lot of okay. DeFi. We haven't done a lot of DeFi yeah. on the show. So the, 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 my quick rebasing explanation is like, imagine if Elon Musk said that every uh, share of Tesla should be worth $420. Obviously the value of Tesla is going to change over time. So what you can do instead, in, instead of just, you know, right now there's a fixed amount of supply of Tesla stock and the price changes. So if you say, well, we want the price to remain this value, what we're going to do is as people buy or sell the, the stock and uh, move the price, we will issue or remove uh, tokens from the supply equally across everyone who, who owns um, the asset uh, daily or so so you can do that to basically retain the same uh, have a target price but then have the market cap still be volatile it's it's um, manipulating the supply based on your desired price like which is which is based on the current supply yeah. and demand right and how successful that is is still up for debate um it was a big thing earlier in the year ample fourth i think was the initial one who they're trying to do it for the us dollar on um on ethereum and it was really just to have a non-custodial dollar representation on ethereum 
Because right now, your options are either, I mean, DAI is the most non-custodial, but even that is backed by some USDC now. USDC is a, a regulated stable coin, and they actually have, um, you know, that's very prevalent on um, on Ethereum now as well. But the US Circle, the USDC corporation can blacklist any adre- address it wants, um, whether it's a liquidity pool or a singular person. So while, you know, it's f- so far been pretty good, at any point you could be shut down. So there isn't a good, like, reliable stable coin um just ask dollar represent token representing the dollar on ethereum that's completely non-custodial so that's what these are like tar- trying to do so like ampleforth did mm-hmm. it um basis was going to do it and didn't do it and now that's like what uh uh based and a bunch of other ones try to do it but they've all been very volatile they haven't kept the peg but it's a long way to getting around that the initial idea with badger was to actually launch this token dig which is the same thing, but for Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. it's trying to have an asset that tracks the price of Bitcoin. Um, but to enforce that and allow for there to be normal market pressures that can change uh, market value, it adjusts the supply daily. So once a day, it'll change how much you have in your wallet up or down based on if it's above or below the price it should be relative to Bitcoin. Mm. This uh, is a question. Yeah. It might be off topic. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's on topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, two questions. One's off and one's on. USDC. Can you? Do you know how? Do we know how much USDC is out there? Like, is there a like? I, is there a bu- you clickable can, you button? Can look at that. Yeah, you can. It's on Ether. Okay, you just look at the supply. Was, all right. Yeah, it's it's very it's that one. Like, there's no question about that being fully backed, in my opinion. But it's a okay. lot. I don't know. I think it's somewhere around a billion. Okay. The off-topic question is, it's extremely vulgar, so let's not worry about that. Let's go back to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to the interview. So, all right, so Dig is attempting to rebase off of the Bitcoin price, but how good is that rebase on bull markets or swings like we're experiencing now yeah. where the demand is so high, the supply is so minimal? And the volume is, I don't think the Bitcoin volume has even been really high. It's just swinging. So how, I mean, is there a tolerance on that rebase? Like, what's your, is there some fine yeah. print where there's like a, hey, well, you know. Okay. What, well, I guess after that, like, why does that change Badger price? Yeah, well, I don't know if it does. So, um, yeah, I guess there's, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little, yeah. To touch on like the structure of the project and the DAO and how it was launched, and it's taking this is continuing to iterate, right? Like so, another theme or trend in the summer was like the fair launch. So Yearn fair launched, where the only way to get Yearn the YFI token was to like farm it. You deposit into these into these vaults that you'd earn. You know, it's the same vaults that Badger had, but you'd earn APY just by having it in you know these curve tokens that you deposited in these vaults that that does some farming or whatever. Then they use it as a distribution mechanism for the governance token. But Yearn, the YFI token was distributed over like one or two weeks. So like if you got in and started farming like the first day, you got a bunch of it and like a jump to like 400 grand. But it was fully distributed. 100% of the tokens were fully distributed right out of the gate. Um, none went to the team. There's no treasury. There's no nothing. And like they even actually just passed something this week to actually... Uh, mint more YFI to give to the dev team and I think stock the treasury. Um, Badger 
there's 21 million badger tokens so it's fixed uh but 40 percent you know i forget how much the team got i think it was like 10 percent. it was not a large percent um then 40 percent of it was distributed over eight weeks that we're just now extending to another 22 weeks so that's like more of a distribution system so that's why like the yield on badger vaults are high now because you're getting the badger token but that's getting it in the hands of people using the thing and then it was also airdropped to like users of DeFi protocols. So like if you had voted in different DAOs or um, if you had used, uh, if you had assets deposited in Curve, you know, things like that, all of a sudden on December 3rd, you could like go claim some, some Badger. Uh, but also 40% of it was kept in the treasury. So the circulating versus like locked up in treasury supply is only 60% of it you know, circulating actually less than that. It's like 50% circulating. Um, and then some of it's locked up and we can use those assets to, to do things, um, which is great. So we can either use it to continue juicing APY. Uh, we can use it to pay core contributors, which is something that's um, out there getting voted on today. Uh, we can invest in other protocols. We can diversify the treasury. We can create a, a, like a long runway. And it's kind of this self-fulfilling thing a little bit, in my opinion. Like I've had no expectation for Badger to get anywhere near $80 this fast. I think timing with the market uh, is lucky as well. You know, everything going up, Bitcoin going up, there being a lot of Bitcoin in the vaults. Um, we get, uh, Badger gets fees from the vaults. Like they take a portion of the profits. And I think there's still a couple like uh, withdrawal fees, but we're still giving out way more money in Badger than we're receiving in fees. And we're working on that kind of long-term um, relationship between the two, but it creates this like cycle where as the price goes up, the token has control of the treasury. The treasury just became larger because the price went up because it holds a lot of Badger. Hmm. <laughs> so um, there's that's, I think it's one part of it. And then we did distribute the dig token to Badger holders. And that was a big thing I worked on. Um, through December was how can we take input from the community and figure out the most fair way to distribute this asset that I think was because we pegged it to Bitcoin, Bitcoin's price at the time of drop. It was like 20, $30 million that we're distributing across 8,000 addresses. How do you do that in a somewhat fair and equitable way based on the, you know, um, the desires of the community? So we did that and that went to everybody, um, and I think it went pretty well. So I think that drove some of the uh, some of the excitement around it was, okay, look, you got a, got a new asset. And then now I, I have no idea, <laughs> to be honest. I don't want to speculate on <laughs> why it's going up, if it will keep going up, uh, I, if it's undervalued, overvalued. Um, you know, all I can say is kind of what our, you know, medium and long-term plans are to hopefully provide some, cool. you know, some connection between token value and protocol success um, and allow for the community to have like a strong say in that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the, the, the never ending thing of when you're trying to tell someone or a group of people that what you have is adding value to them. Right. And, and it seems like you, you've hit the nail on the head a couple of times. So um as long as you keep doing that, I mean, like you said, it seems like this never-ending cyclical. The the Dow owns the Treasury. The Treasury owns a lot of Badger. So, like, I, I feel like it just kind of yeah. builds on itself. So, I mean, that's all to you.
I, yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, let me give you an anecdote. Maybe. Um, I remember talking to a friend who, who basically just despised the concept of finance because it's making money from nothing. Um, it's, it's, it's using money and moving it around in such a way that you end up making more money, but you're not producing anything. Um, there's no physical goods most of the time in centralized finance. You're just moving it around based on perceived supply and demand um, and manipulating things the best you can to get to the point where like, you start with more money than you had. Um, blockchain gives us the ability to do this with tremendous complexity and interesting uh, mechanics and, and things. And so do you like this will happen. This is no, there's no doubt about it. You're going to, we're going to rebuild the financial industry where like arguably people are making money, not doing anything, but there's the other side of that where like, there's a lot of good coming from this um, because you're automating a, lo a lot of the, the like manipulation potentially out of it. Uh, and you're allowing people to kind of, have proportional weight in what happens to these pools of money. And so when I try and like take a step back and look at like what the hell's going on with DeFi, I'm trying to figure out where the value is coming from uh, overall. Uh, I, you, you're basically, we've created these tokens that say like lock up, lock up value. And for mm -hmm. locking up value, you're going to earn some, some percentage, some, some return on that value over a given time period. And then sometimes we're going to, in the process of locking up value, we're going to just mint another token that you can then use in the process of that being that value being locked away. Or other mechanisms like this, these, these primitives that you mentioned in the beginning. Uh, and then like what we can do is say, well, instead of doing that, we're going to take those tokens or the locked up value, we're going to put it in a pool, a large pool that's, that generates a lot more. And then... Then we're going to figure out what to do with all that money. We can we can automate the distribution of the yield that comes from that giant pool of money that a group of people have have collaborated together on, and we can also use those tokens or other generated tokens to then vote on how that yield gets used, how you diversify that pool of money, etc., etc., etc. Like all these things you can do, and so like it, that it feels to me that's what you just described, but I don't understand. I guess it really, really, really relies on the fundamental primitives and how good those are and how useful they are. And a lot of this price price stuff going on, it, like, how many degrees of separation is it from yeah. the actual primitive that, that like that, that's useful to people? Yeah, I guess I could start from, you know, there, there's a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to talk about so what's a candidate for being something that's like provides real value um, and has some token economics to it? I think you could look at something like Aave, uh, where it's a lending protocol. If you're unfamiliar, you can put your number of crypto assets, deposit them, and then you could take out a, a loan against those uh, crypto assets. But you can, you know, it has to be over collateralized. Um, the interest rates are dynamic based on demand. Uh, you can take out fixed interest loans. Um, and, you know, you can see value in that. It's like taking out a loan against your house, you know, like that's something that's valuable for people. I have an asset, I can put it in here and I can get that. I have a, like an illiquid asset that is you know static that I want to hold and I want to take out some value against that to try to earn more value. So like, you know, I think that's valuable, like, you know, 
Like, of, yeah, why, of course, you can take a loan. At, yeah, reasonable thing to do. Um, now, what they've been like, so then what I would see, like, what they've done with the token is, and Avi was built largely, you know, it's been a DeFi project for a long time, but it was a core set of contributors that that built it. Um, and recently, like, the they've gotten the governance part working more, uh, but the token is also tied to its security. So they're actually using the token um, that the um, they have a, a vault that you can deposit the Aave token into where if there's ever a loss on the platform, it actually is used then to make that whole. So it's called it's called like a security module. So, okay, okay now I'm tying the value of the token. Uh, you know, the fees coming in from the platform are used to uh, either like, like buy back the token or, or distribute it to the stakers. I forget the exact mechanism, but you know, the fees flow to the token and the tokens then used to backstop the, the protocol. And it's also used to uh, vote in decisions made for the protocol. So should we add, you know, one collateral or another yeah. collateral because, you know, adding a new collateral brings systemic risk to the platform. It's like pooled liquidity. It's a very efficient um, mm-hmm. lending protocol. So now you can see, okay, that that seems like that's, you know, it's like a stock kind of, right? Like it's, there's real, it's not like a paper contract, but you can see the code and you can see how it's like tied to one another. Um, mm-hmm. But then you have like pasta finance or something that just like forked some code and launched and said, hey, we have a governance token. Um, and, you know, things are silly and stupid until they're not right? Like, you know, things can start as games and then they can become real things. So it's, you shouldn't always just initially like brush mm-hmm. something off, but you should be careful. And, you know, there, I've thought about this a good bit with like, with like DAOs and the governance token. It's like, what, like, like, yeah, like, where does it come from? Like you launch it and it's got a price and like, what is that? And, you know, it's called it like, um, like emergent communities and immaculate value creation. So it's like, you have this community and you have some mind share and effort and, you know, I, I don't think anyone would argue that a group of well-informed, well-intended people that want to build something isn't valuable. Like you could look at, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Meme, the project, but if you're not, it's like you can basically farm NFTs. But it literally started as a guy posting a joke on Twitter that was like a screenshot of something he called the, de- the, uh, the degenerator. And it was like <laughs> different... <laughs> He, he's like a, he's like a product guy so he did like a ui mock-up of something where you like you choose all like the most degenerate parts of like different protocols and you can like choose your own adventure and like create your own DeFi protocol but it was just it was just a mock-up and then he created like a telegram group and people showed up and were like oh this isn't a real thing this is just a joke and then they're like hey how about we make something uh and then they <laughs> yeah so now they built meme which is pretty cool so they have a lot of, they have a lot of really cool artists on there they you can go uh you can basically hold the meme token and then you can stake it and you earn these you earn pineapples <laughs> this sounds ridiculous you get enough pineapples you can mint nfts but they have you know real legitimate digital artists come on there and do things like badger did some stuff with them for nfts like other products you know projects did stuff um and it's become like a real legitimate project with cash flow and it's like yeah it was silly like they literally just put out a Google form. And if you put your address in there, you got like 350 uh, meme, which when it peaked was worth like 700 grand. <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it shows that <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. But if you look at it now, like they generate fees from people staking, from people minting these NFTs, people pay ETH to mint these NFTs. Like there's some cash flow there. And like they, you know, you bridge the gap, but you know, it, that's why it's like, you know, iteration, you have to iterate through these things to see what sticks. A lot of them are going to launch 
and then there's going to be the community's going to fall apart and there's going to go to zero i just i one i want to disagree with Corey on something and that is finances making something out of nothing i don't i don't think it wasn't my argument that's my that's my back to this it wasn't my argument it is an argument people have hello jesse welcome to the show yo what's up that wasn't smooth at all. He that said, was smooth as fuck. What are you talking behind, about? Behind <laughs> the scenes, he was like, we're just going to bring you in the interview like you were here the whole time. No, I'm, I'm, we're doing video. They just saw that terrible way in which he like had to set his camera up and didn't say anything oh, for a while. Shit. That's hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, Jesse's totally been here the whole time. Um, yeah, totally. So I think that finance is just a way of abstracting risk Right. And people gambling on that risk, not gambling, but like, like, like John, like you said, John is like, if I have this hard asset of a home, I can't move it around. I can't just sell it to somebody and move it over there. Right. Or maybe I can, it would just be expensive. But what I can do is take an equity loan. I can take a loan out on the equity of that home that I own and do something with that money. And it's a risk. Yes. It's a risk that I'm taking. But what am I going to do with that money? It depends on whatever. Maybe I want to invest in a business. Maybe I want to buy another property. Maybe I want to, you know, it's just a way of abstracting away value that can't, isn't really, it can't move. Right. And that's just one instance of finance that I can speak to that I've experienced in my life. Uh, I imagine if I studied the shit, I'd know a lot more and can speak more cogently to finance, but I don't think it's making. Yeah, well, some some of it, you know, I worked with hedge funds for ten years, so a lot of it is just let's juice. Like, so the um, you say juice stuff. What do you mean juice? You got to like, juice that like boost. You juice it. You juice juice the yield. Mm. Uh, if you look at like uh, GameStop, right? Like that was hedge funds garbage pile, piling on an <laughs> easy short. There, there was a hundred fifty percent more short shorts on the stock than there was stock like okay that's that's finance for nothing that's you just trying to make dumb money like that's not valuable and like shorting can be valuable like there there are uh hedge funds out there that that's their specialty is finding lagging companies within industry you know within certain sectors and trying to call that out and say like look this is not a good company like good bad companies should get called out just like good companies should be called out and like that's a legitimate part of the financial sector and like a lot of you know finance at its best i guess is like information like it's it's, it's just generating information about like the state of a market it's putting it's um, putting money behind your, your your mouth right it's like the, yeah. yeah i'm saying this and this is the amount of money i'm putting behind it based on my confidence that's all yeah and, then, and but, the thing like, about DeFi is like my, go ahead no so the thing about DeFi is like it's your banking your example, I take out a loan against your house. Like you're not going into a bank and like a banker, like sizing you up and being like, no, not this guy. I'm not giving this guy a loan. <laughs> you know, it's, you just, you just click, click, click. And then you got the money. And it's like, I have the asset. I prove I have the asset. Like, what else do you need? Why do you need any other information? That's all that it is. And like, that's what, you know, yeah. that's what it's I find also automatable. It. Uh, it's, it's automatable, yeah. which means it allows you to, and also you can do governance on top of these things in an automatable way. So like you, you're taking the human out of the equation as much as possible and um, kind of allowing assets to flow the way they probably should. So like you have more efficient markets in a lot of ways. 
uh, and you're taking a lot of the mani like potential manipulation out of these things because you're removing the power and control from the humans that can have it. Whether or not we yeah. make things that are good or like the overall yeah. the overall good uh, in this is is like remain mm -hmm. to be seen. I'm very curious because like, I I don't know. I come from like a a, a real a real drive to to build good community tooling which has value flow inside of it and and that means you're going to have finance it's like that's just that's just what finance is it's just mm. it's just the different words yeah i mean i'm on i'm on record on my other podcasts all the time saying like DAOs are finance like our DAOs are defi bitcoin's defi it's just it's just coordinated value management um, and to be clear, like we're saying Badger's a DAO right now. So what what even is a DAO? Like I would say like the most DAO of DAOs is probably MakerDAO, like the OG. It's like the only one where what they do is they actually propose like a whole new state of the protocol and then people vote on it with the token. And if it passes, like that just becomes the new protocol. But, you know, like Uniswap, Uniswap V1 still exists. Um, it's still out there. No one's using it, but the quote unquote DAO and community basically uh, just decided that, okay, the Uniswap team, which is separate from the DAO, like posted a new version of the protocol, like let's all go use that. And that is now Uniswap. It's like a, you know, it's like Bitcoin fork. Like, okay, we're all going to go use this Bitcoin now. That's Bitcoin. Um, and that's mm. the community making that decision. And like Badger right now, like, sure, it's token votes, but that just is signaling from the community at the moment. Mm. Like that does nothing. We put together governance proposals um, we get feedback from the community um, we put forward these proposals and get you know more feedback on the parameters and how things should go and then we put it together in this thing called snapshot which is just like a token voting tool but it's completely off chain and we say hey this is the proposal like this community yay, yay nay and they vote yes mm -hmm. and then we go okay cool and it, it goes in the dev backlog and we try to build it but you know it's it's not you know this is like a stepping stone right till there's like a huge gap between the maker way of doing it, which is very slow, but you know, it, it actually ties the token to the code and the protocol versus something that's, you know, most of these DeFi, even the most well-respected ones now, it's just, it's just like a signaling mechanism for the developers and people running the project. And, you know, there's different tiers of like multi-sigs for controlling certain contracts for like security purposes and for other purposes. And then there's, you know, it's going to take years probably to figure out how we can have efficient mechanisms for there to be community-driven actual mm. protocols that make real on-chain changes. Well, like you said, I think it's an iterative thing. And you keep iterating, iterating on these primitives. And by the way, Corey, I thought of an idea. I think it's good. I think it's a good one. We'll talk after the show. No, it's actually a good one. This one's good. Um, I do have a question. This one's how do I apply to the Badger DAO to be the voice of Badger? I mean, I've got a silky voice, you know, mm. I've got a good mic. You're up against JT. I, He's got a podcast on this now. Oh, that's right. You're the you podcast for it. I mean, obviously you're the but I mean, like if there were a Badger mascot. And that mascot needed a voice and he would say things like, can you dig it? You know, because, because mm. dig, you know, and I've got the voice. How do I apply? Is there, is it an online form? Is it a type form? Uh, well, there's a discord. Discord's always a good place to start. Uh, and then there is a, <laughs> there is a proposal forum where proposals could be put forward 
maybe some examples of, of what you provide and maybe uh, community votes, get some, get some grant money put together, get okay. some, uh, get some badgers that tossed together. That like sounds whole process, but it could yeah. be worth it. Yeah. It's not, it's not fast going, <laughs> trying to do the governance <laughs> part, right? Governance, no, we're, we're, decentralized governance is not fast. No, and we're we're running up against that now where it's like we're coming, you know, not not the end, there's still stuff to do, but there was like a out of the gate roadmap. It's like, all right, we're it's launching and like this is the stuff that's going to happen. And like it's just going to get built and, and put out there. But we're also like, you know, starting end of December was like, all right, we're going to start taking feedback from the community and then like work that into the roadmap, but we need like, you know, the people to you know, a is it feasible <laughs> what people want to, want to do? Who's going to propose like the parameters and specifics? What do you do if you can't get these two people to agree? Like there has to be kind of leadership in some capacity and like, what's mm -hmm. like minimum viable, appropriate governance for continuing to iterate and like build stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a big focus now is like, all right, like we have all these things that are approved by the community. Like let's build and deploy them. And then like also work on that, that process. So we can like, you know, not just, new financial primitives, but like, you know, let's get a swag store going. Let's, you know, have do fun promotional stuff. Let's do, you know, different things, but we're doing a lot of stuff with Gitcoin. So it's like, yeah, let's give out grants and do things like that. So there are a lot of decisions to be made. And, you know, you want as many well-informed people as possible to like make those decisions, but not everyone is well-informed. And like, how do you separate the signal, you know, from the noise for like, what is quote unquote, the community? That's exactly where I was taking that question. I wanted it to be a big old discussion <laughs> on governance, and I'm glad you guys took it there. But um, Jesse, what's up, man? You've been sitting over no, there like, silent the whole time because you've been there the whole time. I'm listening. <laughs> what JT's saying. Um, He's trying to figure out how to get on this DeFi game. Yeah. So Jesse's Absolutely always been not. interested in being an extreme <laughs> DeFi degenerate. Absolutely not. Uh, he actually has You're... degenerate tattooed on his chest, and we said, "I don't think that's a good idea." But it absolutely fits not. <laughs> <laughs> You're a gamer, though, right? I thought I thought gamers it's like it's gamified defi, like it's game gamified finance. I think it's I think when you score. said when you said it before, like at at some at some point you have to realize like you're juicing people, and if you feel good about it then I'll, you know, more power to you. But like, I don't feel good anymore. Like I, I, I'm exiting. Just, Jesse <laughs> is not happy with the current state of existence. I, I don't like it. It's too much. Yeah. I see too many GME people and they're getting juiced. And I've been juiced in 2016, 2017 or 2017 rather. And uh, did not get, did not have fun getting juiced. So I know what it's like to be at the other end of that. So I, if, if they get squeezed, I don't want to be part of that. So I guess it's one of those things. If you look around the table and you don't see any juice, you're the juice. One of those. Exactly. Well, it's uh, you know, yeah. I think there's a good way to make money, and I think there's like a questionable way to make money. And I think that for people who are developing something that has like an actual true utility with good intent, that they're not just trying to move numbers, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, like I'm looking at a lot of project uh, projects that I was invested in, and I'm looking at the the voices of the people who are coming into it and they're buying, you know, let's, it's just, it just depends. I just, they're not, they're not people that I would be friends with, you know, to be honest. 
If you didn't listen yeah, well, to the previous episode, we had a long yeah. philosophical conversation on on yeah market timing, the when, to, when to like ethics of of making it when you should buy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it was, a, it was a very long conversation that we're I think we'll continue to have on on what we're doing here and who the potential losers are going to be and whether or not that's worth it. Well, so the you a you can't just paint the whole space and be like, oh, you're in DeFi, like, uh, gross. And the, the I would say what's a little different from this cycle versus the last one is, like I said, there wasn't much to do in the last cycle. It was like, oh, you go on Poloniex or wherever and you buy some shit coins and maybe they go up and maybe you sell. And that's, if you're t- if we're talking about juicing people and intent, it's going out and saying, oh, this is going to keep going higher. This is going to keep going higher. And then you just go and sell and dump on everyone's head. So that's, that's exactly what like people are doing for chains that are vaporware they have no utility yeah i'm not and talking about that it, yeah so it's like that's that's my point it's like there are certain projects yeah. that i i was invested in and the whole community dynamic changed from um essentially we're building something that will be useful for xyz and now people are like let's pump it to the mars you know to the to the moon and mm-hmm. they have forgotten that it actually has any purpose other than number go up well yeah that's not that's not good um and And that's 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 exactly what you're talking about right but that's not that's nothing to do with DeFi, though like sure no no it has to do with like me making like a certain point like a certain amount of Mm -hmm. profit and then like me dumping on people who are buying it at 50x what i bought it for or whatever like there's a certain threshold that to me makes sense like okay i'm gonna dump it where the uh, speculative value over utility is slightly over but once it goes like you know way way too many multipliers times the base utility value that I, you know, that, that makes sense, you know, in terms of what market it's going for. It just doesn't make sense anymore. Here's something that what, I have. What, what you, what, uh, hold on. Hold on. What do you even, yeah, actually, ahead, I don't even know what you're talking about? <laughs> like, sure. Like, yeah. Like don't, if you think something's overvalued, sell it. Like that's how finance works. Like, and don't, and don't go out and market something and tell, and tell people that something's going high. Like, of, of course, that's just, being a good person has nothing to do with right right so like so like the people who participated in gme let's say like the hedge funds who who participated in spot buying it all the way you know up into the hundreds when they knew that social media is gonna is gonna get people to tack on and buy in the two three four hundred dollar price range and then they proceeded to dump on people not only shorting the stock but also dumping spot uh you know spot shares it's just like i don't know it's like that seems scummy to me Here's and I don't want to like those about people DeFi. who bought in the hundreds. This is something I like about the current state of DeFi and what um, I think is being attempted by the legitimate projects who are building and doing these things is that um, like, what you make is very dependent upon your participation in the system. And by selling, you're, 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 you're getting rid of your weight in that community. So like... like and, it, and that's a very important thing, right? Like I participated in, in the in the growth of a community by doing these DeFi projects more often than not, like for any, any of the reputable ones. And in the process of this community growing, um, my weight maybe stayed the same, like my, my relative weight in the community stayed the same, but because the community got so much larger, it's worth more. And, by, and then at, at some point, I then have the opportunity to sell that weight to the other portion of the community and take it elsewhere. I can take it to a different community. Uh, and I think this is kind of the the interesting part about a lot of this stuff is that 
I am taking my contribution to a community. And if I would like to leave it or contribute somewhere else, then I'm, I'm not like dumping it on people. I'm giving other people in that community more weight and I'm taking it somewhere else where I think, where I think it's more valuable. And so it's like a, it's, and I don't think these things are necessarily maybe at this point coming out of thin air because it's so tied into how you participate into the network. I mean, I guess you can buy Badger on an exchange and sit and wait and then dump it back on. But like people are obviously doing things in Badger. Like, but like the majority of the people who are, have this money are, are like actively participating in it. And by, by selling it, they, they're losing their ability to participate in it. So if you care about this community and it grows, then like you've done a good job. The community is like doing something. It's, 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 it's value that's based in an action, which is something that the 2016, 2017 thing cannot say whatsoever. And yeah, by selling, you're, you're, you're removing your ability to perform action. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw it's, someone did uh, some did the math, I think, the other day. And it's like, if you had spent the past couple of years just doing like baseline stuff in DeFi, like, oh, I traded and added some liquidity on Uniswap and I like tried out SNX and like minted something and I used Curve a little bit. Like, even while like gas was super low and you could do stuff like on the cheap, if you'd just done a little bit of that and then done nothing else, you would have like well over like $100,000 worth of just airdrops at this point um in your in your account so it's things have flipped on the head where like the protocols are going after the community and you don't have to go and say like oh like let's just bring more people on here to dump on because it was all yeah 2017 there was like i said many times during this interview like there was nothing to do unless you wanted to start a chain and if you did it was not even a good idea to have like you know uh have um, your own token even out there and you know floating around and you could run an ico and some of them manage their money well like like gnosis and status and built real products and are like back but you know there's a lot of volatility a lot of people lost probably a shitload of money on status it was you know very volatile and like you know, people have to make their own financial decisions and i'm sure they're you know i don't know anything about status leadership i'm sure they're very nice and weren't like you know touting anything but i'm sure there's some people that are out there like yeah it's gonna keep going up please buy it and like you know that's them being you know shitheads uh, i'll give you an example uh john mm -hmm. if you look at the algorand community right i really like the project where it was going right and if you look at their subreddit right look at the look at the new newcomers into that project there yeah. there are a lot of gme people like a shit ton of gme and doge people that this is yeah, their first I, I time didn't... being exposed to crypto although the underlying although the underlying tech may have really really promising use cases you have to look at the people that are buying it right and it's like is this the kind of is this the kind of direction that if like the community will influence the development group in terms of what they're what they're wanting to focus their time on 100 now do do i want to be with this select community that i'm going to be a, a minority voice among a lot of people who are basically to the moon no no i, I choose not to Okay. I, I, okay. I guess I don't get your point. I also don't hang out in communities I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's like... just, uh, there's a lot of communities that I think there's just too much excess. It's too frothy. You know, there's a lot of frothiness but... and there's not a lot of actual people doing things that are worthwhile. I have a question yeah. for you though, Jesse, a strong question. Do you think that's because there is a higher level of ignorance in finance that you have 
that you're unwilling to take part in something that you don't know exactly what it is you're doing. So when we when we talk about I, I, I would say I would say maybe. But okay. if we look at like let's let's look at what um what Avalanche purports to do, right? And we compare it to the timeline of Ethereum, right? And what they've accomplished in terms of on-chain activity, what they had going. It's uh it's just different, right? I, I guess I don't yeah. see what large larger point you're trying to make. It's just like, yeah, some things are shitty. It's it's really early. So some things are gonna suck. Um people shouldn't promote things they don't understand or just promote things solely on price. But right. there's gonna be volatility in, in price movements. Um I just, not I just don't stop. want people to buy the top, JT is what I'm getting at. Like I don't want if this is a top or or if this is like their their first exposure, I don't want people to throw their money without even understanding something about tech. Like I'm seeing people in in like again, my my experiences are different. They're guiding me to to think this way because I'm seeing a lot of people in their 20s that are DMing me on Discord that are like, mm -hmm. I just threw, I just lost fifteen thousand dollars on Doge. I'm like, do you even know what you bought? Right? <laughs> they shouldn't have done that. Okay, but that's what I'm saying. I'm, when I when I have like, if 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 I ask me, if, like, if I am participating you... in in a in a platform like TBP, which I hundred percent love this community because we Bro, tell we people use your brain right use your yeah. brain and don't just throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks with massive amounts of money it just makes no sense so it's like i like to use this platform to get out the message like please learn before you make the jump that you're gonna have insane losses that you're not even it's like people are betting their rent money jt on that like they, they shouldn't be betting but hold yeah, on. This is talk about the general nihilism gamble. and it just lack of respect for money itself in the uh, in the Gen Z and millennial generation. That's that's a structural issue. Uh, I think you know just being generally carrying student loan debt, which was stupid. You're sold this whole thing that it's you know, okay. You're uh, a college degree is just going to get you an automatic good job that you can then afford a house and a family and yada, yada, yada. Then you find out like that doesn't really work. And then you can't really buy a house. And okay, the starting salaries for jobs have been the same for the past like 30 years while exactly. everything else is getting more expensive. That's just a, that's a general systemic issue. And I think, I think there's just a general nihilism where it's like, well, okay, sure. Like I'll bet it on Doge because maybe I'll triple it because if I lose $15,000, like, I don't know, maybe I'll just go get, you know, another unemployment check or maybe I'll get another check from the stimulus package. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't you feel like, like, don't you feel compelled to like incorporate those people within the community, but like in a way that like, for me, this platform is more educational than anything, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, let me educate you. So you don't make the same mistakes that I made when I was a DJ like you back in like 2017, 2016. Right. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, want well, these people to do the dumb shit that I did. And I see yeah. them making the dumb mistakes that i made did you just call our show degen yeah. rehab is that what you just no absolutely not so here's it's yeah, just I, I have a whole other podcast called DeFi download where we do exactly that but for DeFi. that's what I, that's, that's what Jesse, we're talking about like, i think doing i think that's a little bit too much of a personal attachment to free markets but before I don't want to keep going because we're running out of time. That this yeah, conversation yeah. went off the rails fast. It didn't go off the rails. It went oh, off to a off different rail. It just it just diverted onto a different rail. Uh, <laughs> Jesse's got a trademark question for you, JT. This one's brand new. Okay. 
I'm just going to ask it the way Corey probably intends me to ask it. So is what you do difficult? Is what I do difficult? Uh, for me, no, because I find it interesting. And I think it's what people should find in their, like, like the intersection of what you're good at and what you can be successful doing is like finding the thing that you like care too much about that other people like don't give a shit about. Like I'll just work on <laughs> these models to try to make something fair in like an Excel spreadsheet or whatever for a long time. And like the, the models for distribute distributing these tokens and how these things should work. And I find that very interesting, but like other people are like, okay, great. Like <laughs> just let me know when it's done. So uh, I would say it's not, <laughs> You know, it, it depends on what you, you know, it would be difficult Dude. for someone to, to pop in and just do it. Like, yeah, but it's no more difficult than someone else doing something that they find uh, very interesting. This man just gave some life advice. Find something nobody wants to do and love that shit and make that. I, fucking I like that. That's a good answer, wasn't it? Thanks. I think I think so. Probably our best answer so far for yeah. that question. You keep missing that qualifier, Jesse. Actually hard. That's the one that stung yeah. that first trap. <laughs> actually, what you do actually hard. Like, <laughs> what you do actually, actually hard. hard. <laughs> See, but that's the thing. I didn't know. Again, I don't know how many times I'm going to re reiterate. You know this. Really... I didn't know she was a thirst trap. What's like, funny? Jesse, I didn't know she would take it that way. She that's still thinks she's not a thirst trap, and she's getting called out by CoinDesk for, for being, being a thirst, thirst trap. trap. And yeah. CoinDesk Who? is like the most professional. She's... Oh, what's this know. chick's name? Yeah. Alicia probably knows her name. She'll probably type here in just a second. Some but... some chick who was we on got the podcast because she's popular. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very last question, and this is the only. This is the Did second you, you time. You get the crypto witch on. Sorry. Yeah, this <laughs> is the second time we've asked this question, uh, because now it's very. We've deemed it good enough to ask, right? Oof. It is. It is Good's now right. gotten there. In ten words or less, can you describe DeFi? Money games with a purpose. Okay. That's five Money words. Money games with People a purpose. People are getting better at this. People are getting better at this. Are oh, he's also listened to the show for a long time. So <laughs> we're going to have to stay. Like, like he's been in the, the podcast community forever. So, like, our <laughs> yeah. podcast community. Training. Training. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Corey's been telling us to 54321 rap. For a while i've been trying to rap for like yeah. 30 minutes now that's true so, so, so. so you gotta rap but... oddly aligns with when jesse showed up weird yeah <laughs> i love jesse jesse, <laughs> jesse brings the thunder brings so, heat. get some heat on here what i'd say jt is let's spend these last 35 45 seconds explaining to everyone how they can hang out with you where your stuff is how to get your stuff you know you know what i'm saying plug yourself uh yeah i guess best place to see what i got going on which is mainly badger zero confirmation and the DeFi download podcasts would be twitter uh just generally retweet stuff i'm in i don't do a whole lot else on twitter but it's tompkins underscore john uh or just hop in the the uh bitcoin podcast podcast slack i'm in there sporadically yeah uh go to the DeFi channel that's where you'll find me that's, that's where i spend most of my time now um, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Hotnesses are time now. <laughs> there were like 45 people in there. It's like a but it's hot very busy. Yeah, the hotness. I like that. Uh, yeah, we need right, to come on your alpha. podcast, man. Hit us up. Hit us up. We'll come yeah. on. Have your people uh, yeah, talk we'll to our up. people. You know, and we'll <laughs> we'll link up and and do a show. 
All right. Thanks. Crossover man. event. Thank Love it. Thank you, G JT, for coming on. Hey, guys. Did it? No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I really I do. I can't wait for us to do like, re like reveal videos or like, like Jesse's Jesse wants to get in some like open box opening and we're going to have D just do the intro, like every other yeah. explanatory intro on YouTube ever from 13 year olds. Hey guys, today we're going to be looking at keyboard pressure sensors. Uh, so a lot of people make the common mistake that you want pressure that is inversely related to the amount of knuckle pressure that you could put on any given point on a keystroke, but that is not true. I'm sorry, Jesse. You don't sound like I can sound like that That's for you. Perfect. But you don't sound like that. That's perfect. <laughs> um, anywho. That was JT. Uh, if you don't know who he is, now you do. You can come into the Slack. He hangs out in there often. Like, that's that's the – hold up. I'm going to pimp my own shit right now. If you're not in the Bitcoin podcast Slack, um, there's several opportunities you missed out on in life. You should pull over. Badger is certainly one of them. He's been he, – he, he joined it. He's like, hey, guys, I learned about this new thing called Badger. I'm going to start working with it. We're like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. You should pull over your vehicle. You should join the Slack by going to the BitcoinPodcast.com, clicking Slack and, and signing up. Okay? And before, you know what? This is a full-on shill of my own shit. Why the fuck not? I can do this. It's my shit. What you also want to do is become a patron. You can go to Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, you don't deserve to be listening to this show. Uh, but if you do, you search for the Bitcoin Podcast Network. You'll see our shit. You can become a patron. And a Slack member, join a private Slack group, get more access to Corey, myself, and Jesse, more access to people like JT. More, you just get more access, and so maybe you won't miss these opportunities, right? You could be a tier one GPP, just like me. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think they should join. You get free pizza. Ooh, yep. the pizza. If you were a patron was, and in the Slack, you I was skeptical on that one. <laughs> so, like, I I did a I did a a panel on privacy for F Denver um, this past this past week. It was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, well, at the recording, it was on Thursday. So, uh, maybe we can put a link in the description for what that is, Alicia. And. And our our marketing guy wheeled some deals and decided to they I guess they were like because it's a virtual conference, at Denver decided to like make it so that specific people can let's just like get a pizza delivered to them. You gotta go through this kind of rigor rigmarole of like doing some crypto stuff, but like they got pizzas. Like so people mm -hmm. just got pizzas delivered to them. Uh, and so we offered uh, those things up to Patreon members first. Uh, and, and us hosts, but then like, so the panel though was on privacy and I wanted it to like, I want to shill that a little bit. People should watch it because, uh, the concept of the panel was not what you would typically get from a privacy conversation. It was more mm -hmm. along the lines of like, um, difficulties and nuances and potential downfalls of pushing privacy. So we had four people on and I wanted, and I, and I, and I asked them questions like, uh, users don't care until it's typically too late. So what do we do about that? 
and how do we enforce like how do, how do we how do we build better products when in the process of providing them a bunch of security we're removing our ability to um, understand what they're doing because we can't see it anymore like when you when you give people privacy you you give away your ability to watch what they're doing and that's how the internet works today basically is an application has features they watch their users do stuff they do a lot of data science on that and then they and then they and that that informs their decisions on how to change the application to better fit their users or take advantage of them or serve their ads and so like when you give people privacy you take away your ability to do that which also means you take away your ability to understand who your users are and what they want and well, you make it about marginalizing them what i think i have an answer for you guys just take in mind, I'm a tier one GPP. I think that uh, maybe that they should design or develop with things that they know, that behaviors they know would have had to have taken place for people to use applications that way. Give me an example. Uh, uh, imagine I'm in a maze and I know there's only one way to get to a certain point in the maze. If people get to that point, then I know they would have made two lefts, a right, a left, and another right. So you design things with the way you want people to behave and, and, and you know they will have behaved that way. Then maybe you don't need to be so intrusive over what they're doing with your app because you know they're using it. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, like, what if I want them to use it differently or wanted to, you know, then that's that's when it gets to the point where, like, why are you trying to turn that person into a product? Why don't you just build a product and a service and let them use it the way it's intended to be used and iterate off of that? So funny enough, um, your answer about the maze is an interesting way of displaying what zero-knowledge proofs do. Look at that. Tier 1 GPB, baby. So like you build a system that operates a certain way it allows people to do a certain thing and then you remove your ability to see what they did inside of it you just know that if they did it then they followed the rules if they got from the entrance to the exit then they did things successfully and they followed all the rules but you never got to watch them do it yeah um and you're right but like there's a con there's a downfall to that is that if you can't see what they're doing and you build an imperfect product it's very difficult to change it and if you're the one doing it and no one's no one's informing you, your users aren't informing you, then you're doing things based on what you think they're going to be doing, what they need. And that's coming from a very, very narrow perspective. And Word. and if it's, 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 it's a lack of inclusion for a very broad range of people with what they want to be doing. And if 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 what you're building is narrow then you're only going to be including a small set of people or forcing people into your view on how people should be acting, which is, which is limited, especially if the people who are building things is, have limited perspectives. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I think you're right. I also think that some of the software companies that exist today, especially the ones making more money than God could imagine to make, like your Googles and your Facebooks, I think that they give off this guise as if there has to be a perpetual learning process to their software when in reality, most people are still using the very same shit they're using from the jump. And that's the wall 
if you're old enough to remember the Facebook wall, then congratulations. You've got gray beard, gray hair in your beard, just like I do. But I think that, I mean, who still, who uses all that other random shit? There's like 30,000 other random shits on Facebook that they're always trying to get you to learn how to do. Nobody use that shit. I know Marketplace is pretty hopping. Marketplace and groups. Yeah, I mean, that's one, two, three things out of the, you know, 30 things. Congratulations, Pareto Principle. They did it. But there's not a lot of, like, new shit that's important. They just kind of build up this guise that, like, oh, we're perpetually improving, so you've got to improve with us. And it's like, no, we don't. You got a service. I can talk to my friends or at least monitor the ones from seventh grade that I care not to talk to anymore. But at one point, we played Blitz together, and that was fun. I feel like you just made that up based on a very specific individual that you monitor. Nope. He doesn't listen to it. He doesn't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, show. you did. Damn straight I did. You damn straight. <laughs> right on. That's all I got. Right. Yeah, go watch my privacy panel. It's good. 30 minutes. Not that long. Good stuff. I need to give a talk. I need to give a talk on a crypto stage. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? You need to, you need to go big connect, and then that'll signal the end is coming. Big connect. <laughs> I get thrown off the stage immediately. Um. By the way, hex is a scam, right? Yes. Okay, <laughs> good. I just wanted to throw that. People in are making money off it. A lot of people money are certainly off of people scam, are making money off it. There's no doubt about it. But it's a scam. Jesus. That's like why they have such a. That's why such a strong army yeah. behind them is that people have made money off of it yeah, but don't don't lose your money guys Descartes is making the most and making a fool of all of you yeah. well jesse got anything or you want me to wrap this shit up like a no, go ahead wrap it up i think this one was i think i think you guys have kind of echoed the message that you know i really want everybody to know which is like monitor your risk you know and just know more because if you don't know enough, you're going to be a, you're going to be taken advantage of in this space pretty fast. There you go. In ten words or less, like, I can describe risk. You've already shilled the uh, the stuff people need to do. So I'm doing it, it fucking again. This is my shit. Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com and join the Slack. <laughs> Uh, if we should you put explicit. On... We should put explicit content in all of our stuff from here on out because D can't stop cussing. Uh, you know, sometimes you just gotta let this shit loose. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes uh, it's every episode. <laughs> I just feel as if the words add more color, Corey. You know, they you add, add more, more color. <laughs> Did Is, you that right? oh my. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> well, I am a person of color. <laughs> Is that racist? Was it racist? I I don't Uh, know if it is or not because we've been friends for so long. I could punch (laughs) you in the chest if I wanted to when I saw you next time, but I don't. Yeah. Now I'm in a conundrum for the rest of my night. I feel like I was just. I feel like I was racist. You're gonna be talking to your girl. It's like, dude, I don't know if this was racist or not. (laughs) It's like that Chappelle show. You're gonna get the chicken. God damn! How did he know? Anyways, I, I can't even think right now. Shout out to Zoe Zaldana and Megan The Stallion and Michelle Obama and Georgia Curtis. All right. Oh, no, no, no. Alicia, who's that other chick? Steve Harvey's daughter. No, nah, Steve Harvey's daughter. 
Steve, shout out to Steve Harvey's daughter, Lori Harvey. Harvey. Lori? Yori? Let me tell you something. So that's a that's a. I think your caps lock is on. Let me tell you something. Yeah, Lori Harvey. I never really, I never been, I never looked at a woman and been like, man, she has a nice back. But let me tell you something about Lori Harvey. Like just her back, like her back muscles. We're never gonna have women in this in our community ever. At no point in our lives are we ever gonna have women in our community. They know what the deal well, is. I mean, Alicia's here. Right. We got Alicia. That's the only one that's decided to stick around. She yeah, is, I'm sorry, Alicia. She is a strong-willed woman. <laughs> she is. Just hold, hold out, Alicia, and see me in four years when I'm worth more. Uh, <laughs> play, play the outro.